When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He's introduced you to great coffee. Congratulations! World's best cup of coffee. Great music. He'd win in a wrestling match. Lemmy or God? Lemmy. Ah, God. Wrong dick. Trick question. Lemmy is God. Great travel. That's the dream. It's not the destination. It's the journey. All things to enrich your life. If you're good at what you do, people will recognize that. Now, he's ready to tackle itself. Whoop-de-doo! What does it all mean? With some great guests with even better life stories. Yes, even better than how he almost failed grades 2, 4, and 7. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. You're listening to the Brenton on Tour Lifecast. Here's BD. When I built out the Life Series, you know, the idea of it was to tell a story maybe a little bit deeper than we could get into with like a coffee series or even a music series. Now, everybody along the way has told a great story. These sort of stories in the LifeCast, I've wanted them to be possibly a little bit more in depth, a little bit more about the journey. And um, I think that we've accomplished that. And as we truck along here, we're learning that everyone has a journey. I'm fascinated with the story about how people made it and how they got to where they got to and the struggles that they had to go through. Uh, Obviously, I've had my own Uh, in order to get to this spot of being able to tour around the world and run concerts at the level that I'm doing. And a lot of people helped with that. And I've had a few of them on this series and that continues today with the amazing, uh, this is one of my favorite people in the whole world. Biff naked joins me today. Now this woman has broken down walls for women everywhere, trying to break in to the music industry. I mean, which is normally, you know, for a long time dominated by men and Biff just kicked the door down and she's one of the most inspirational stories in Canada, let alone the world. Uh, She's gone through cancer and she had to fight it all the while still trying to tour, put out records, you know, play shows, put on a smiley face. And, um, she did it with such class. I just, I have all the respect in the world for her and she's never failed to check in with me and see how I'm doing on my journey. And uh, she's just one of my favorite people in the whole world. So she joins me today to talk about her life so far. And she's also got a show coming up for Rain Maida's Juju Live. And that's happening tonight, which you can check out at jujulive.ca. Uh, it's like eight bucks. Just sign up and you get a, a, a Biffy show. And who's playing shows right now? Not too many, but Biff is. And she's here to talk about it today as well. Brought to you by my friends, at Partake, you've been you know hearing me talk about them for this whole series. Non-alcoholic, keto-friendly, vegan, gluten-free beer, craft beer, award-winning. It's one of the fastest-growing companies in all of Canada, and I'm sure it's about to take over the world. Um, they've been a real big supporter of me and this series, and I couldn't thank them enough. They are uh, going to give away a package to you guys for liking and sharing and doing all the things that you're supposed to do to get this episode out and uh, that's going to continue with this. So keep it going. And at the end of it, we're going to give away something from them. So check it out 
um, and go buy some this weekend. You know, when you're walking around with, with the kids for Halloween, do yourself a favor, take a partake with you. And, um, yeah, so we're going to, we're going to get going on this thing. I, I just want to remind you guys all that we are on YouTube now. So do yourself a favor, check out Brenton on tour podcast, uh, dot You can actually see everything right there, getting ready to go. Everything I'm doing, all the podcasts, anything that I've got up on YouTube lives there, but, uh, you can check it out on YouTube as well. And this is the full video version of our discussion. Now uh, there's a whole bunch of them up there right now. So go over to YouTube. Hey, you know, I haven't told you to do that very much, but let's get those subscribes up because, um, it's fun putting out video. So go over there, check it out. And it's now time to introduce you all to one of my favorite people in the whole world. It is the lovely Biff Naked on the LifeCast. Biff, my friend, my old friend, how are you? I'm awesome. It's so good to see you. And I mean, see you. This is like, this is amazing. It is Obviously not a substitute for giving you a great big hog, um, but it's, uh, I'll take it, you know? And I think this year everyone is kind of like, yeah, everyone's, everyone is zooming. Virtual hugs. Yeah. Virtual hugs and virtual rock and virtual conversations and everything. I think the last time we saw each other was Metallica in Vancouver. I think we were hanging out and you and your hubby and uh, my wife and uh, our Doug and his wife and your Doug and we all were, uh, uh, at Metallica, uh, uh, rocking. It was with Gojira. With Gojira. It was, uh, uh, and I, and I think that was amazing. And in fact, I, and then I was in Toronto before with Heart, and I was oh, trying to get good. you out very and, good, and I think yeah. you were away on tour and, and whatever. So yeah. anyways, it's, uh, uh it's, uh, it's been uh, a long journey. Um, I, I think you and I, it's, it's funny. I was thinking about about it today, and I think I mean it's twenty something years since I first started doing. Come something. on, yeah, it's been it crazy. hasn't been that. And long. It's been a long time. I mean, I think the that first was so much fun. I think the first like uh, it, it was seventeen, eighteen years for sure. Back when I was tour managing with bands with uh, with you, but um, I was also promoting shows back in 98 and 99 and and uh when i was doing some stuff at durham college in oshawa and some other places amazing there, there you were so it's going i mean amazing. here we are yeah here we are is right <laughs> it, it's yeah. crazy and life, i can't believe that um you know we can even still be in the business in the same business for god's sake you know and it's fun and i love tour managing um you know i still love it and uh I love it. It's like being, it's like being a mother. It is my way of being a mother. Right. So I love it. Right. And I, yeah. uh, I mean, we've crossed the country many times. I, I always found myself tour managing a band. It was opening for you and, and, uh, you were so great, uh, to, um, to all the bands and, but, uh, you, me in particular, uh, you were really always great too. And just always giving advice and, and just, yeah. uh, always, always caring. And, and then I moved to Vancouver and then of course you moved to Paris and there was all this stuff and I kept missing you oh all gosh. over the place. So yeah, life goes on. Life, life goes is funny. On. A lot life of people say on. life is short, but the truth is life is long. Life is long. Yes, it can be very long. Well, welcome to the Brenton on tour podcast. Uh, this is the Love life it. section. Uh, I'm having a blast with these things. I've, I've done uh, coffee, music, travel, and now we're Amazing. doing life. And um, I like this, this sort of story book format that I'm doing with the life series here and um, your life 
is fabulous and I want to talk about it and I want you to talk about it. And, uh, okay. and, uh, you've got a lot of things that, to teach and you've got a lot of things that you've been through. Um, and this is, you know, something that we're all experiencing together right now, which mm-hmm. is the complete shutdown of our industry. Yes. So it, there's lots to cover. So I'm, uh, I'm just happy to have you here to talk about all of it. So thank you for the time. Thank you. That's That's great. Great, great. great. So you're Toronto right now? Yes, we relocated from Vancouver to Toronto in, um, uh, I I guess it was really 2018. Mm -hmm. And we basically flipped a coin, to be honest with you. Um, You know, there was part, obviously, you know, it, it didn't make sense for us to move to France which was where I was spending a lot of time. And, uh, and you know, it was just, uh, it, it, there was a, a certain fantastic thing about, you know, having a, a weird uh, anonymity and autonomy in a place where, you know, I kind of grew up my whole adult life uh, being, you know, bit naked, you know? And I, like, not that it was like, I'm always, you know, really happy about that, but it was just a different thing I could you know, go to a different country, live as an expat. And if I wanted to, I could just like, you know, go and, uh, you know, be a nurse or go work as a porter in the American hospital. Or I could, you know, it was just, and it was really creative. I could write books. And it was like all the things that you hear about uh, Paris, particularly, are all those stereotypes are, are so true. And I did finish my memoir there. Um, and I, you know, started a lot of other writing projects there that for some reason I didn't seem to be able to get off the ground in Vancouver. And then I met my husband um, who threw a wrench in my plans because right. he was a nice boy from Cranbrook and started playing guitar in my band. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, it was, uh, it didn't make sense to leave Canada, you know, and um, we were going to come to Toronto or Montreal and uh, flip the coin Toronto won, And my manager and his family are out here anyway. Uh, so it made sense for my business. Sure. Uh, and for my life. And it's just been, it's been really great. I miss all of my friends a lot uh, on the West coast, you know, to the point of like teary, teary phone call missing. Um, however, uh, I love it here. We live in South Etobicoke area hmm. and uh, you know, I'm obsessed with the, the history of mafia. I'm obsessed with crime. I'm obsessed with all the chop shops uh, you know, we ride our BMXs in the back lanes and I always just like, you know, I'm like a hall monitor over here and it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. I feel like I, you know, missed my calling. <laughs> you met, you moved in 2018. Um, now the scene was sort of stopping in Vancouver. Dare I say, I mean, the, the venues were closing like crazy and you, you had the Commodore and the Vogue and everything, but in venue, um, there was some small ones that you and I ran into each other. You came to one of my shows at the rickshaw actually. So there was a little bit of, a little bit of that, but, um, but the scene definitely, definitely was changing. Um, yeah. And now you're in Toronto and then you moved to Toronto in which the scene never seems to stop there. So what's the, the biggest well, difference between the two cities? That's true. Well, it's hard to say because I also, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a rocker girl. So mm-hmm. if I'm not doing rock shows, you know, I really love doing uh, all the book tours and the acoustic stuff and the speaking stuff. And that may have come with, um, age anyway because i enjoy it so much um but now in a you know in a covid time frame in a pandemic in the world and then post pandemic if there's ever going to be a post pandemic i I have to ask is there ever going to be a mosh pit again you know really legally 
And, and the answer is maybe not. But the truth is, it's still happening. And there are still hardcore shows that are happening every week in all these underground clubs mm -hmm. all across North America and Europe and South America. Um, there, are, there are shows that still go on. They still happen. Uh, just like those underground fight clubs sure. uh, that used to happen. I mean, you know, so I think that um, things will still happen and shows will still happen. Um, it's it's hard. It's hard for um, our generation, for sure. Generation X musicians who came yeah. up to the 90s playing things like Frosh Week. You know, they don't have Frosh Weeks anymore. By the way, you know they don't. How many of those did we do? Did we do? <laughs> Hundreds like every, every, every year, and and I think you know they don't. It's archaic. The whole idea of getting people puking drunk, I mean, you know, for their first week of university is absolutely not tolerated at all. And uh, and I just kind of go, wow. Every every Canadian artist played these frosh weeks. It was like, a bit. It was almost <laughs> as it was almost as uh, you know attached to your schedule. Like if you weren't on that yes. scene, yeah. then what were you doing? It was amazing. Like, it I was mean, like it was seven amazing. bands on a, on yeah. every single show. And yes, and I mean just like yeah, and really like you know diverse, like really diverse. Yeah. You'd have like you know the coolest Toronto rappers. Uh, and like, you know, metal bands, uh, pop, pop acts. And yeah, and it was amazing because all these university, uh, you know, uh, social committees had great funding yeah. and paid for all these bands to come. I mean, it was incredible. But now things are changed. The arts have changed in Canada anyway. Um, and now it's uh, now it's very difficult. And Canada has always been a country that really supported the arts. 100%. I mean, there was so many touring grants and there was so many, you know, even uh, album, you know, opportunities to get funding for Absolutely. your record and, yeah. and factor and all these different great things that, yeah. that, um, you know, that were there. And I, uh, I just spoke to Daryl Hurst from Indie Week and he's, he's had to go online with it, but it's still a very busy schedule for them. Yeah. Um, so there is still a, uh, you know, there's still a scene. It's just buried right now. Hopefully it'll come back out. Um, unfortunately, all the clubs, you know, are, are getting affected by it. And that was a, I know you're talking about going underground, but I mean, there was still, there's still something about seeing Biff at the horseshoe. There's uh, still something yeah. seeing, you know, and or the opera I, house or something like so that. Many, there's so many clubs right? that, that across the country that I love, you know, know. the rickshaw, like you mentioned, Yeah. Um, you know, we have to preserve these places um, we have to, and, and it's, yeah, it's scary. It's really scary time. I know. And it's easy for people to forget, or at least uh, our business to get forgotten because everything else is taking precedent. So it's, sure. you know, uh, what are the key important factors that, you know, that the country and economies need to survive? That's um, right. We all, you and I know we all need music, but yeah the people who run things don't necessarily always feel that that's necessary. So we're right. going to always be at the bottom and it's our, our, our group and our, you know, we have to speak out for it and make sure that it's, it's happening. So there is lots of help out there and um, hopefully uh, people are finding it and, uh, and supporting the cause. So before you were Biff, you were Beth. And where yeah. was that? Where was that? <laughs> Um, you know, it's really funny because um, CBC Music had put a tweet out today asking about the first slow dance uh, song. And I remember right away it was 
waiting for a girl like you by a foreigner. Wow. And I was dancing in the grade seven dance at Mackenzie Junior High in Dauphin, Manitoba. And I'll never forget it in my life. Um, and it's funny because, uh, you know, a, a lot of people can have their memories um, really affect them. All my memories are nostalgic. I don't think it's because I block out the bad things. I think that as, as I get older, I'm more sentimental and nostalgic. And we moved from Lexington, Kentucky to Dauphin, Manitoba when I was 12. And my older sister was 13. My younger sister was, I guess she would have been like, I don't know, uh, 10. Um, and it was kind of traumatic for everybody. Uh, it was a big change moving from Kentucky to you know, Canada's national Ukrainian capital. Uh, it was a big culture shock. And, you know, and I laugh now because I look back at those times as very serendipitous. And yeah, you know, Beth Torbert, which was my parents' last name, um, was exactly the class clown I am today. And uh, we eventually moved to Winnipeg, uh, where I went to high school and you know, tried to, you know, go to university, but I dropped out to go on tour. So didn't really count. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm still that same girl that cut her teeth playing in, in the prairies. Do you, do you ever give thought uh, to what you would have done outside of music? Yes. All the time. Mm -hmm. All the time. I have so many other interests. Well, this year yeah. I started um, studying uh, in a course. I do a lot of volunteering and through breast cancer, I was introduced to peer support volunteering um, with other breast cancer patients. And somehow, you know, accidentally, I kind of uh, stumbled into palliative care volunteering and hmm. realized once I was in the mix that there was a massive need for it. There was uh, not a lot of people who uh, were signing up to volunteer. And so I thought, um, this is where I belong. And I've always known that, and regardless of everything else that I do, this is something that's a, a massive passion for me. And this year I uh, started uh, working towards my certification to become a death doula. So I still want to pursue that very much. And, um, you know, I, I mean, there's lots of other things. I think the perfect job for me actually is hospital porter. Uh, okay. So that I could talk to everybody all the time. Sure. But um, the truth is, uh, I really know for sure there's other work that I am always called to uh, that eventually I'll probably find more time to do. And I think that that's going to be something that makes me. I've always found you to be this way. I've always found you to be, you know, uh, there's stories of absolute nightmares in this business. And then there's people who, you know, ask the front of house guy how his day is. There's a big difference between actually caring and instead of just mailing it in. And you've always been to me, that person that is care it wants to know people's stories. Like you're, how are you, Brent? How, how are you? How was your day? How was your wife? How are the kids daily on tour? I wasn't married then, but I'm talking about just now you're always inquisitive about what people are doing. And I think that that creates a really great vibe on tour. Are you, are you like this? Uh, I can't imagine you're not like this with everybody. Cause you really seem like you're intuitive. You nice. really want to know, <laughs> but no, you really seem like you really want to know about people's lives, which in essence is funny why I created this podcast. Cause in this, at least version, I want to learn about people and you see, strike me as someone that always wants to learn about people and new things. And um, oh, sure. But I think that's natural for everybody. Yeah. You know, I think that all of us have that um, instinct, that curiosity, I think is natural. Mm -hmm. And it, to me, go, it, it goes back to you. Um, 
having that curiosity or the heart of a child. You know, there's a certain, uh, a lot of different um, theology leans into that type of thinking. And, uh, and I agree with it. It resonates with me deeply. And I think that every single person, uh, whoever it is, you know, really, you know, if you look at them as they were when they were five years old, every single person, even the douchebag driver of the F-150 that cut everybody off, uh, today on the Queensway, uh, and you sit there and shaking your head, tisk tisking in your car, going, "Oh my God, that guy is such a douchebag!" And then I just think, but at one point he was a five-year-old boy, and all he really wanted was, you know, whatever it was, to to throw a baseball with his dad, or or mm -hmm. to have a cookie uh, sitting on his mom's lap, or whatever the case. And I think that really that perspective and always to try really hard to see everybody in that light. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's a challenge for sure, but it's a good challenge. Uh, One of the biggest up. things I miss about touring right now, um, touring introduces you to obviously every single person and yeah. attitude and everything on the planet. So you're, you're on with righties, lefties, uh, vegans, hardcore, uh, meat eaters, hardcore, uh, opinionated this opinionated that. And, and yes. you just learn so many things about, about people. And that to me is the greatest, um, thing that I'm missing about the touring side of it. The shows are oh, great. Yes. The shows are great. The, the countries are great, whatever it is, but it's the people and what you learn from people and what they're experiencing, which, and to me, that's, I really think that that's where the mental health side of it is uh, playing havoc with some of our business because oh, we're, sure. we're all used to the same thing. These are intriguing stories. People are offering intriguing thought that doesn't necessarily happen on your day to day per right. se. You're not getting, absolutely. you know what I mean? And that's, that's tough. Yeah, that's, it is hard. If people do, yeah, you, you miss your job, especially if it's what you love to do. And, uh, and unfortunately, yeah, it's intense being a touring um, performer or being on the production side and, and still touring. So you're in a traveling vessel. You know, if you're lucky, you're in a bus, but it's like a traveling jail. And, you know, it really is. And, and your society in that bubble changes. Your perspective gets twisted and, uh, and you, you have to see everybody else as your teacher. You know, everyone is there teaching you patience. Yeah, totally. They're teaching you patience every day. And, uh, and it's always interesting. Yeah. It's, and fun. It's hard not to miss it. <laughs> and yeah, the, there's a laugh. I mean, it's a perpetual adolescence uh, as far as humor goes. It's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's wonderful. Um, there's a lot of um, people that have come out of Manitoba as far as, you know, artists, you know, uh, and where did you make, where did you really cut your teeth as far as uh, when you started getting a feel that this might actually happen for you? Like, whew, this uh, is, this it is happening. In, it had to be in Winnipeg, mm -hmm. you know, it had to be in Winnipeg. Um, Gorilla Gorilla, uh, even though I was in a band before that called Jungle Milk, which was a world music band. And really, um, that was the most nurturing introduction that I could have ever had. Uh, to being a vocalist in a group. There was a massive group of people. Um, and, you know, the, the repertoire was all over the place. It was uh, uh, music from dozens of cultures, and it was incredibly fun. And then being in Gorilla Gorilla was very serious. I was very, very serious. I wanted to be accepted, you know, as a female 
front man, you know, that was, it was very important to me. And it was hard, of course, because I was in love with a drummer. And, uh, and so navigating that, you know, I thought, well, if this goes terribly, and it, and it did eventually, I thought, I'm going to learn professionalism this way. I'm going to really learn it. And I did. And I have to credit uh, those guys. And they, everyone went on to be very successful uh, from Gorilla Gorilla. Kent Jameson uh, still works with uh, NoFX and Pennywise and all that, uh, all those bands. And same with um, Brett. I always call him Booby. So I was going to say Booby, he'll kill me. Uh, but he, you know, works with all those guys doing uh, just everything. Those guys do front of house. They do tour management. They do management. Randy Steffes was, you know, stuck man tour managing and then managing Green Day for a while. And then now, of course, he's in SNFU. Um you know, it's just, it makes me laugh because it was, um, yeah, it was the most beautiful introduction into being in a touring band. Did you, and, and of course the, 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 the time it's like make a demo and get it to the radio and then make a cassette, make, make a cassette and yeah. uh, maybe get it on. I mean, much was rolling, but maybe get it on good rocking tonight. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we never had any of those aspirations with gorilla no. gorilla. I mean, if we no. could get on college radio, Nardwark mm -hmm. interviewed us and I was over the moon, yeah. you know, that was like, if we could get on college radio, we were just like, we would never have, you know, everything else was dreaming. And uh, once I got into Chrome Dog in Vancouver, hmm. that was a different story. We were going up and down the West Coast and and playing in all the, uh, you know, all these dream venues, uh, trying to get a record deal. You know, actively pursuing uh, getting a record deal, and that was uh, that was a whole different animal. It was how uh, much pushback were you getting as the female? Fronted, fronted, like oh, it's. It was amazing, and it's why I stopped drinking. You know, the the thing about it was there weren't a lot of girls that I knew of. Uh, that were in other bands and the girls that were there, you know, were either accused of blowing that headliner or they were blowing them, right. you know, and I didn't want that to ever be uh, me, you know, and I am a very, you know, I was a very happy, friendly uh, girl after a beer. And so on, I talk, there's basically I talk too much and laughing and all this stuff and I would just lose my voice. So it was like, yeah, I don't A, ever want to be misinterpreted ever. So, you know, in order for me to always maintain, uh, you know, just what I'm trying to project, you know, just even backstage uh, with all these other acts or, or, you know, this type of thing, I, I just couldn't drink. I just could not drink. And I, you know, knew at the time, <laughs> Big was a straight edge and we toured with the Wong. So he was a massive influence for me. Uh, and I was like, well, that's really cool. And he introduced me to Gail Greenwood from Belly, who at the time was in L7. And she had been mm. a straight edge her whole life and the coolest person I ever met. So I was like, yeah, I can totally, I can totally do this. I can totally do this. Henry Rollins, you know, it was amazing to me at that time in my life. I, was, I had a huge crush on him. And he drank coffee. So I thought, well, I can drink coffee if he does. Yeah. And that was it. I just didn't drink alcohol. I just never wanted to be. Uh, misinterpreted uh, as a female and that's something that I you know really took a lot of pride in and uh, you know there's going to be the odd person that you know assumed that I was there to you know mess around with the headliner or whatever the case there have been times when I wasn't allowed on the stage because security guards didn't know I was the singer um, but I never took it personally and I think that's the key now Young women take that stuff personally. And I know a lot of bands 
uh, with young women uh, fronting them who will walk off the stage if anyone yells anything derogatory at them. Mm-hmm. And that is totally their prerogative to do. I commend them. Fantas- that's fantastic. Knock yourself out. That was not my generation. You know, we had to give them a knuckle sandwich. Would or, you tell them to do that still? Would you tell them now to take that approach? No, or would, I wouldn't tell them anything, you no. know, and I never did, you know, because now I kind of, I mean, who am I to these young girls? I mean, what am I, an elder? Okay, well, you don't want me to be your elder because I had the fist fight yeah. in a mosh pit. You know, now, you know, people don't like doing that. I had to, you know, take, I had to listen to this stuff. Uh, from the stage and the show had to go on. I'm not going to get kicked off the bill for being, you know, for taking it personally and, and saying this, this fan or this audience member is a misogynist. No shit. No shit. He's a misogynist. I don't care. It's not going to affect my show. It's just going to make me tougher and sound tougher. And, you know, I can't obviously admit to punching people in the front row. I can't admit that because, you know, who knows? Sure. Years, years later, they sue you. Right. However, this was something that uh, we were uh, very inspired to do many times. We just—I don't know. It's a different time. It's a different generation. Yeah, and it comes with the whole. You hear about the, you know, the bands at uh, trash rooms, and even I think it's a famous story that uh, some forty-one were paid by the label to trash the room and film I it. I can't imagine that that's true. I don't even believe that stuff. Just I saying, cannot see I, it. You know, I've, I've, I I've, uh, I've heard rumblings from members of the band that that was the thing. And, imagine. and the interesting thing is that, um, but taking it back to Motley Crue, taking it back to all these yeah. bands, yes. um, uh, that were like, you know, going fight it, it. There was sort of like that roughness of like, well, you know, it, fighting with the, the bah, the fighting with like the crowd and fighting with fighting for your to, to have your voice heard and and it goes all the way back like Joan Jett it goes all the way back to anyone oh, yeah. that's had to fight and right. uh, you know um, in that regard and I think that um, it's it's a bit different now because now yeah. there's so many options for people to to break that you don't necessarily have to claw and scratch anymore you can just have a song in a in a in a Tide commercial and it's over. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're, it's yeah. very, it's very, very different today. Um, but I think that's only, I think that's also our perception, because I can imagine that any young woman who wants to be the singer of a hardcore band today yeah. Yeah. Uh, is going to be met with the same bullshit that we were met with as young women, and that's, you know, I don't know, you know, for us it was a rite of passage, you know, for us to be able to get through a show successfully, triumphantly, you know, basically changing the mind of these, you know, audience members who didn't want to see a girl up there. And I used to say the only reason that they act like that is because they're not used to seeing a chick, you know, on the mic. At that time, there was, you know, there was no video channel. There was nothing like that. So the only time they saw a chick on the stage was strippers. And so they have no other... Uh, right. way of reacting, you know, and that, that used to be how we justified it. And we would go, oh, poor, poor little, you know, audience. They don't have any, you know, frame of reference. So we're just going to do what we do and be cool and, and give, give the best show we can give. And it's very difficult not to engage with a heckler for anybody. Any comedian will tell you that and sure. anybody will tell you that. It's very difficult not to do it. And it's difficult for any band not to engage with someone who is just trying to get a rise out of the band or who's booing or who is yelling derogatory remarks. 
but you know, you get through it. You're triumphant. You're, you're triumphant that show. Is there a, uh, I want to, I'll move to um, how you're feeling overall. Uh, I know you've had to battle through some stuff in it and you look great. So I want to talk about that in a minute, but is there a show? What's your favorite show you've ever played? Have you thought about that? Oh yeah. All the time. There's so many shows. There's uh, uh, there was a show in Madrid uh, that we played that was in an underground co- club that had a hole in the ground for a toilet backstage. And that was it. And, uh, and that was amazing. There were no girls at this show. Um, and it was, uh, it was an intense little hardcore show and that was good, but also the marquee in Halifax. No, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to claim that it was overpacked or oversold because that would be against the law. However, it was so packed with bodies in there and, uh, everyone was sweaty. And it was one of those shows that in my memory, the audience was all shirtless, you know, like, oh, they're all shirtless because it was just a, a massive mosh pit. It was a total mosh pit. It was just a sea, a swimming, moving sea. And there was so much sweat. It was so hot. There was so much sweat. The sweat condensation from the bodies was on the ceiling, yeah. raining on us on the stage. It was disgusting. And we were soaking wet. I don't know how we didn't get electrocuted, but it was the most glorious, best ever Um feeling you know it was like this is i could have died happy i could have died happy a million times in my life and that was definitely one of them well i mean they love to they love music in the maritime so uh yeah. i remember i mean i did one of those shows with you i don't know if that's the one you were talking about but i've, I've done a marquee yeah. with you and it was great and it was oh yeah amazing, the marquee so. was great and i think we probably did moncton together too which oh, was yeah. like <laughs> you're out there you're out there I uh, love- so how are you feeling fun. how are you feeling overall how, how you've, uh, i feel great you know i yeah. just did a um a uh an online thing yesterday for a cancer organization and i forget uh what it's like because it's been a long time since i was a patient mm-hmm. every once in a while i think i'm gonna have a recurrence of course because everyone always thinks that every headache is a recurrence um but you know breast cancer was a, an amazing journey for me. And at the time that I was diagnosed with breast cancer, there was no Instagram. You know, there was not a lot of other women uh, that were my age at the time. I was in my 30s, early 30s, and I didn't know anybody alive who had breast cancer. I certainly didn't know any young women. Um, so it was it was a really isolating and weird time, but I still felt like I had to have the top hat and cane on every time I went into the waiting room. But what I discovered uh, was that I met so many people uh, who were going through so much. Every woman I ever met who had breast cancer had to work during cancer, just like me. I had to make a record yeah. uh, when I could barely sing. Uh, Jason Dar is a hell of a producer. Um, and uh, they all had to work. Most of them, like me, uh, didn't have their medication covered unless it absolutely targeted the cancer cell. You know, for example, and this is just stuff that I learned as a patient. I had gotten a blood clot in my surgical port uh, and it was really, you know, really awful. So I had to take these injections of um, basically a, a blood thinner, if you will. It was uh, called heparin, uh, but it was a fragment. I don't know if, who, what brand it was, but anyway, they were pre-filled syringes and I had to take them every day. I had to give myself an injection of this like low molecular weight shit to keep my blood thin so that I wouldn't have a stroke, which I eventually had anyway, but long story. Mm. Anyway, it wasn't covered. And I was like, 
this is a thousand bucks a month. Why is this not covered? And they're like, well, it, it doesn't affect the cancer cell. Hmm. And so it's not covered, like literally. And I just thought, well, then what do people do? You know, I mean, who, I don't know who has a thousand dollars a month. And they were like, well, they just don't take it. And I was just like, are you kidding? My baby aspirin take an ass. Like, are you kidding me? And it gave me a big insight into the reality of being a patient in this country. And I think things are probably worse now. And it varies. It's different from province to province, but it is it, it still that much? Is it still that much? Uh, I don't know, you know, but right now it's just like, I mean, yeah, things are so there's so much inequality when it comes to healthcare. Um, yeah, if you don't have extended medical, and I don't know, all of us musicians do not have medical plans. Uh, we pay for yeah. our own dental stuff. We pay for our all our healthcare. Um, you know. It, you are, it, is, it was just so eye-opening and, uh, and it just got me into um, learning about what's going on in this country when it comes to healthcare and when it comes to uh, the bureaucracy and, and social services and stuff like that. And I'm, yeah, I'm still, I'm still discovering more. Even yeah. moving to this province is different from BC um, and they're all, they're all bad. And of course, everything can be improved for everybody, but I learned a lot. The social media at the time, though, you were very active on and keeping us posted on your journey. So um, I think people uh, were inspired by that and also um, learned learned a lot. And uh, here you are with us still and inspiring people and still making music and still playing shows. So here we are. So um, my uh, our, our, you know, your guitar player, Doug, a great friend of, uh, of mine and um one of the great uh, discoveries of my journey through this uh, musical land uh, has mentioned that you guys are uh, working on some stuff. So what are you doing right now to keep active and keep creative? Are you creating music, writing new records? Or are you just consistently writing and to just keep that muscle going? Well, we did write a new record. So Excellent. Doug and Snake and myself wrote a record called Champion. Excellent. And this year, our first single was put out on Valentine's Day. It was called Jim. I saw that. And yeah. We had, so the way that I wanted to do the record um, uh, chronologically was I wanted this song first, this song second, this song third, because really for me, if I just kind of believe that if I just release the record all at once, people are just going to cherry pick, they'll listen to 10 seconds of each song and they'll just like, you know, listen to whatever order they want to listen in. And I thought, no, it has to be in this order. And so Jim was first. And then our second single uh, was going to come out in May. Uh, but of course, we were just starting to become entangled in the pandemic. And I felt like uh, it's not important. I just thought this is more important. This is more important uh, than my single, you know, so I just thought I'm going to wait. And then our third single was supposed to come out in August. And it was a very, very specific song. Uh, and I love autumn. So it was like, you know, really important time. And then by the time August rolled around, I'm just like, yeah, not only do I not want to go and put out the second single, I certainly am not ready to put out the third single. So in a way that was um, basically me trying to respect the fact that in this world, there are many more important things uh, than our fucking record. <laughs> you know, there's just like, more important things to focus on. More voices need to be heard than mine, uh, especially this year. 
Um, you know, I think that there has been a lot of change that's happened. Uh, Black Lives Matter, um, indigenous um, issues that are still going on in Canada. These things are important. And I just think that my record can wait, you know, and that's always kind of how I felt. And now here we are, it's autumn. And, uh, and so what we have been doing is kind of tinkering and tweaking a little bit with uh, the songs that were already recorded. And the mm. good news is Fury's out here now. Yeah, so of amazing. course uh, we go down there and, uh, and we will be there doing our show for Juju um, on the 30th. And we're going to do it at Doug's. That's amazing. I was speaking to Doug about it the other day. Hey, Doug, Fury, awesome. how are you, buddy? Awesome. Thanks for uh, connecting us again. Um, and you mentioned Jay and Riley. So, hey, Jason, Riley. Hi, guys. Hi, how are you? Good to see you. Um, anyway, so yeah, you're gonna um, you're gonna do this show, and you're gonna do it for Juju, which uh, is a great uh, online tool for for uh, bands to uh, bring their fans into and um, and enjoy this live experience that might be a little different than what they're used to. And, and sort of instead of going Instagram live, uh, Rain Meta, uh, our, our Canadian musician brethren, is, uh, is a big part of it. And I think it's awesome that you're doing it. So um, tell you. me a little bit about when that's going down and what it's, uh, what it's all about. Well, you know, I think that um, I've never done a streaming show ever. I've never done anything like that. We did... Uh, a couple of things for uh, a couple of different charities over this last um, six or seven months. Uh, but, you know, only once or twice and only one or two songs kind of thing. Uh, so this is the very first time I've ever done a streaming show. And if it wasn't for Rain asking me, I probably would never have even done it. Uh, so I'm very happy about it. And because it's October 30th, I mean, it's going to be Halloween-y. So sure. we're going to make it a little bit special. Uh, in that way. And uh, it's an acoustic show with Snake and Dog and Mish and me. And so we're excited about it. So uh, Juju Live uh, is where they can find it, right? And, That's um, right, jujulive.ca. .ca, yeah, uh, yeah. To see uh, Biff and team live on uh, October yeah. 30th from Doug's basement, which is going to yes. be great uh, in this yeah. old ancient uh, century old house he's got in london so it's awesome yes so good for you that's i mean um, uh so the record will wait but we get to see you live uh, very very shortly that's uh, right. which is uh, happening this week so uh, amazing and i uh, can't wait to tune in for that so cool. uh Vivi, my friend um it is so great to see you it has been way too long and uh it i has. can't uh I can't thank you enough for making the time to come on today and tell a bit about your tale. Uh, and uh, just thank you for all you've done for me, for my career. Uh, I'm still trucking away, trying to pay, make people like you that have, have given so much to me. Like, uh, well, there's one of my little minions that I've sent out and he's still kind of doing his thing. So I appreciate all the time that you've, uh, that appreciate you've you. invested. So it's awesome. That's very thank great. Thank you. Thank and, you. All the best to you and Snake and everybody, and uh, have a great show this week. Uh, everyone can find it at uh, jujulive.ca. So this is the wonderful Biff Naked. This has been the life of Biff so far. And this has been the Rent on Tour podcast, and I appreciate you guys all for listening. So rock on. Emily Roger, and I host a leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host, Dave Vale. 
Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.